0: Okay, sweet. Welcome to episode seven of the Rugby Abroad podcast. Been absolutely buzzing for this one, as I know some of the listeners have as well, sending in a few questions for our guest today. Jamie Hagan, Irish international and currently playing his rugby in Beziers in the south of France. Jamie, how are you today, mate?
1: Great, mate. Thank you so much for that marvellous introduction. Um, I don't know... <laughs> I don't know, uh, you make me sound amazing. One cap for Ireland, Irish international. i take it. I'm, it.
0: I'm not even finished with the introduction yet. Hang on. <laughs>
1: oh, really? Oh, well, keep going, man. Keep going.
0: No, well, my, head, well, my head is just gone. Now, yeah, well, you're definitely an interesting rugby character to get on. Um, you've got a brilliant story to tell, I'm sure. Um, you've played a lot of rugby abroad, and that is... The, the stories I'm trying to get across on the podcast so so it's great to talk to you just having a look back on on your career so far you spent the beginning of your career correct me if I'm wrong at any point that's absolutely fine you spent the beginning of your career in Ireland and at the time after, just after you got your first cap you, you moved out to the to England to the to the premiership and then after, yeah. after a stint with London Irish you, you moved over to Australia uh, is that right?
1: Yeah that's that's correct yeah um in between that I I went on loan back to Ireland um twice so I was in England and uh, my old my old club in Ireland had injury issues so I went back and played there for four months and then before I went to Australia I went back and started the season again with my my old club again so I I actually signed for Leinster in total one two three four four times for that. I think that has to be some sort of a record.
0: Wow, nice mate. <laughs> and and so, so just talking about the leagues you actually played in, we're talking about the, the top leagues here in, in world rugby. You played in, in the Pro 14, in uh, the Premiership, in, the, in Super Rugby and coming back to France you're playing in, in the Pro D2, which I know personally is a, is a very very high level of rugby. The only one missing is uh, Top 14. Is that still on the list of things to do? Um... Well, yeah, like a couple of
1: years ago, definitely. Um, I had interest from Stade Francais a couple of years ago um, when the World Cup was on as a joker. And I was sort of saying to my wife, I'll be nice to play at the top level. But I think that it was for four months. It was a four-month contract as a 32-year-old or 31-year-old, I think, at the time. But I sort of went with the safe option and stayed stayed here in Bézier. And I I signed for another two years. Just because... You know, some like obviously, I would love to play um, top fourteen, but you know the uncertainty of that contract as 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 a man who just got married just wasn't for us at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, hundred percent. Like you know, there's there's sort of a lot of chat here at the moment in Bezier about the Emirates guys coming in and buying the club and wanting to go top fourteen within the space of a year. Obviously, that's going to sort of come apparent in the next two to three weeks whether that's actually going to happen so or not the, so it's interesting
0: so the dream's still alive maybe
1: yeah maybe like I was chatting to one of the guys who played here a couple of years ago we were in the quarter final and uh, he was retiring last year but he said that if they had it went up he would have signed the contracts for a euro now I don't know if I'm that desperate to play <laughs> I don't know if I'm that desperate to play uh, yeah. top in, but yeah no it would be nice like it would be pretty much every major league Every major league in the world, which would have been, you know, a, a good feather in the feather in the hat. But you know, I'm happy that I even made it to France. Like you know, I said when I was a, when I was a youngster that I would always love to have come here. And and I know guys who had, who'd been here. I played with guys who you know came back to Ireland after. Yeah. They actually did stints in France, and they loved it. The culture, the lifestyle, and and you know, it's it's everything that I expected to be and more. Like I I love the people down here.
0: And yeah. I love the lifestyle
1: and um sorry go on
0: no yeah i was gonna ask you exactly that it's it's the longest uh, stint i think that you've spent in one club or in the, at least in the since since ireland and so i guess i was gonna ask you yeah. is it it's some is it somewhere you feel settled and and clearly it is
1: yeah no it's it's mad like like the longest i spent before this was probably two two and a half years at a club so this has come into my fifth season fifth season this year and um, which is which is mad. Like I've been here since two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, it's now two thousand and twenty, um, and I'll be here two thousand and twenty-one for sure. Obviously, or well, hopefully. So yeah, it's been mad. Like you know, you sort of when I arrived here first, I arrived as a joker, and um, I was twenty-eight, twenty-nine, I think.
0: What is it? What is a joker? Can you just explain for for anyone that doesn't? Really yeah, sorry
1: that? for the, for all your viewers. A, a, a medical a medical joker is somebody who comes middle of the season usually, that replaces a player that is injured for a long time in their squad. Yeah. So each team has a set number of players that they can sign in a certain window and when that window's finished they can't sign any more players unless they have an injury. That's, uh, that's usually serious. So I came, I came for one of the props here. Yeah, it was a funny story actually when I arrived. The guy who signed me got sacked two, two weeks later. Manny Edmonds yeah. who is now in Perpina. A really nice guy. Um, yeah. I was coming off a bad stint in Australia. I had some personal issues um, and he signed me and I was just expecting to go and play for four months. I was actually just, you know, sort of planning to retire to be honest and I came and that happened and I was like, oh my God, I remember going home for Christmas because we had a break um, here at Christmas yeah. time which is lovely and um, in comparison to your leagues which have to play right through Christmas which is which is a, yeah. a nice bonus here Um I remember coming home and speaking to my wife and be like oh this place is mad like I think I'm just gonna pack it in and, and go home and try and find a job and she was like she was like no 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 no, no. like and I was like you don't realize how crazy it is like the presents yeah. all come in and basically just sacked everybody and like I'm surprised I'm not sacked um, I remember the the game before Christmas the holidays. The players actually picked a team, and they lost the game. It was away in Dax, and like the, the atmosphere around the club was just yeah. so down. And, and, and um, but then four months later, I I played a bit. The new coaches came in in January, David and David O'Con- David uh, Gerard and David O'Callum, and I played quite a bit played well and they signed me and, and we won a lot of matches and like the, the comparison in, in the ambiance when i arrived in december like it was just like doom and gloom to like winning a couple of matches the fans were back in the stadium the music was going and you really got a taste of what it's like you know like in france to yeah. to be winning and um, but i've experienced both sides of the coin like when you lose here like the fans don't mind they don't mind getting on your case as you know sammy <laughs> and, uh, giving it, and, giving it, and giving it and giving it to you. Um, no, but so it's, it's been an interesting time. Well, that was an interesting time.
0: Yeah, nice. And um, just away from rugby, what's France like then as a, as a country, as a place to live? I mean, you're in the South, so it, it's famously great weather. You're by the sea. But tell us a bit more about the culture for you and how it compares to the home.
1: Yeah, like it's way more laid back than, you know, I, I'm used to... You know, coming from a big city in Dublin, even though I was a country bumpkin, like, you know, the lifestyle's way more relaxed to what I'm used to because I lived in London as well. I lived in Melbourne, everybody's like hustle, bustle, go coming. come. And everybody's way more like, you know, laid back here to take long lunches. They take, you know, a long time to eat their dinner at night, but very, very passionate about the rugby all the same. So, yeah, it's been, it's been. I wouldn't say massively different to what I'm used to, but like just the way people, I suppose, you know, are, you know, they, everybody says hello to each other, which yeah. is great. I think that I think that's fantastic. I think that, like, you know, is very a very good thing that you know more societies could probably do. Um, it's just you know be co- be courteous and say hello, like you know, like you know, other clubs you walk into. And be, some mornings you wouldn't even get acknowledgement. You know, at least if you if you if you're here in France, like they have to acknowledge you even if they don't like you, or if you yeah. had a disagreement, like you know. So I, I like that about I like that about the club down here, the culture. French people they wear their, you know, as you know Sam, they wear their heart in the sleeve, and they're very passionate and like you know everything is a a, a show nearly like a bravado sort of, um, thing, and um, where I suppose us uh, Anglo Saxons, as they call us, are a little bit more calm um in our preparation and in our, I suppose, our emotions, you know. Apart from that, it's, it's you know, it's okay.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, just that it reminded me of the sort of French tradition of every morning or the first time you see everyone, you shake everyone's hand or you give everyone like, a, you know, a high five or something and it's, it's not something that, that has existed in every changing room I've been in and it does give you a little lift when and it's, it's a nice thing just to just start your day saying hello to everyone even if it's um just like a courteous thing to do it's it is a sort of little lift in the morning and it's that that part of the culture is, is really nice it's something that i enjoyed definitely as well i wanted to ask you obviously on the on the theme of playing rugby away from home and abroad was it was it an easy move for you the first time you moved across the irish sea to um to london irish
1: yeah, no, to be honest, you know, moving sort of never really bothered me. Um, I lived away from home since I was 19. I moved to Wicklow, which is about an hour and a half from my house, and I've been steadily moving further ever since. Um, I went to Galway after. And when I came back to, to Leinster, I lived in, in Dublin away from my family home. So, like, I've always sort of been independent in that way. So, moving to England wasn't actually that bad. I suppose the, the, the moving to Australia, and um, probably was the hardest because just of the, the sheer distance and yeah. um, for me and for my partner um but yeah like i i think i think you know it can be difficult for certain players especially if you it's your first time you know living away from home or moving away from home but i think the fact i was always independent i was looking forward to experiencing a new city so i didn't i didn't find it hard so like being here now in france it's sort of just like normal like water off a duck's back now you just comb and you you sort of just try and fit in as best as possible like you know
0: yeah sure so i was just going going on to um the theme of france and they've they've just announced the the third third professional league which is which is to be honest quite crazy when looking at it as an outsider and looking back at uh England, for example, which which has just the one professional, fully professional league now in the Premiership, the Championship, which has announced massive uh, funding cuts from the from the federation, from the RFU, and and looking at even Ireland with with there's there's really few professional opportunities for guys there. I'm looking at France, and they're actually creating more. And it's like, what shouldn't shouldn't our our home countries be following the, the example being set? I mean, it, it's it seems that there's there's something that they're doing right in France to to be able to generate such a such a level of professionalism. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, like I, I think that it's obviously good and bad. I, I think um, some of the the clubs, even in Prodi, too, suffer financially. Like, um, yeah. so you know, it, it, I suppose in theory it's going to be fantastic for the younger players who are looking for opportunities to play. Um, but I suppose only the next couple of years will actually sort of, you know, see whether it's going to be the right thing to have done. Um, like I'm all for. Like I think France, obviously, we have a here we have a big playing population and a big population in general. Like you know, I think um, I think in England, I think you know some of the stuff that's after happening with uh, with COVID. Um, and all the stuff that happened in between with the, with the cuts and, you know, the salary caps, I think that's very, very poor. I think, you know, the Premiership um, and English rugby in general is a very, very wealthy sort of union. And I think the fact that they are, you know, making these, making these cuts, um, basically at grassroots level, you could say, like, you know, some of the clubs, especially in the Championship, who have, you know, produced so many players who have played at the highest level and in the Premiership, to start quoting them for those players you know those teams now um, you know i think it's a travesty in my in my opinion
0: yeah.
1: um, you know like they pay their england internationals 20 30 grand a match or, or something in, in in along those lines you know that's a contract for a young player playing in the championship um I, I think that other nations, you know, like I know for instance, like Ireland, like, you know, the international match fee is, you know, a third of that, maybe even less. And okay. um, I, I think it's one of the, the wealthiest unions um, in the world. And I, I think that with all that money that they have to be doing what they're doing at that level, I think it's, it's very, very wrong. Like, you know, you see here in France, they're all about developing the, the game of rugby, and they want less foreigners playing the game um, here in france and they 've done that successfully over the last five years by reducing the number of um, foreign players in your match day squad each year for the last five years so now this year there 's only six players allowed in the match day squad which is, mm. which is quite which is quite interesting yeah.
0: um,
1: I, think in, I think in ireland it 's a little bit different i think. You know, our playing population compared to England and France is, is a lot less, and even the same in Scotland and Wales. Like the, the playing percentages and just, the, you know, the sheer numbers that we have as a population doesn't add up to have more professional teams. And um, yeah. the, 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 the sad thing is, especially in Ireland, the amount of young players that are having to leave that are amazing players and that probably could play just, you know, maybe just a little bit behind the level that of another guy and they're having to you know try to apply their trade in in the championship or maybe move to the premiership is incredible like the 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 outflux of players from Ireland over the last couple of years and really really good players is is incredible we only have four professional teams yeah you know that's that's you know 120, 120 professional players
0: it's nothing um, really is it?
1: it's it's re- it's nothing really like, you know, here in France, you know, now they're going to have, potentially they're going to have, you know, the, the guts of 40, um, 42 or 43 professional teams with squads of 40 players, like, which is, you know, incredible. Now, as I said previously, is that sustainable? Money-wise, because a lot of these clubs are obviously individually funded by, you know, whichever presidents own them, the money men behind that. So, yeah, we just have to wait and see with that. I think, I think in England it's a travesty. I really do. I think that some of the clubs in the championship, you know, that have been round and, and like obviously you played for some of them as well, like the like the Jersey Reds and the Doncaster's. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's horrible, but but I I'm sure that you know the RFU are going to do a three sixty on it or a one eighty. even um, okay. well I I, I hope. I, so. I heard,
0: yeah, you'd hope so, but I heard there might be even further further cuts as a result of what's going on, the COVID, et cetera. Um, it's not I think time.
1: the COVID, I think, I think the COVID is just like an excuse. Like, I think, you know, I think the money is, is there. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they own, yeah. they own, they own Twickenham. Do you know what I mean? Like you sell out Twickenham, Six Nations, like, you know, the, the amount of revenue that they that they create, like, you know, considering that, you know, they've had World Cups, they've hosted World Cups, like, uh, it just baffles me that they can pay Eddie Jones a million euro. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then they can you know try and fund some of the grassroots and some of the teams that are struggling like you know because the players that play in the championship there's a lot of good players that have come from that that have actually you know played for England yeah, and you, you, like you need you need to give back and support that like you know but I suppose at the end of the day you know who are we to, to say like obviously we're not the money men we're not the business people who, who run the show because rugby it's sad to say over the last 15 years is you know it's become a massive sort of business model Sam and you know crunch crunching numbers rather than crunching you know loyalty to clubs or whatever you want to 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 call it like you know
0: sure so listen you've gone on a bit of a journey you've you've got a lot of experience behind you you're now 33 years old
1: yeah 33 (laughs) a couple of grays Um, to show for it as well
0: And I was going to ask if do you see yourself now in a role in sort of a role model role for guys coming in that might have, if if you see guys coming from abroad or coming from outside of France, you've been in the club five years now, do you you take on the responsibility of, of helping them settle um, that kind of stuff or, or do you see your, your role has changed somewhat as a, as a within the team?
1: Yeah. Like, Definitely no. I think that when new players come in, especially younger players, um, to try and give as much of my experience as possible. But I at heart I suppose I'm still a competitor and I want to play. So, you know, I was trying to find that balance. Like I I, I think getting older in your career you you never lose. I like I've never lost that sort of hunger to to play. Um, but I suppose when I don't play I'm not as Disappointed or moody, like I'm happy for, like especially if you're, um, you know, helping some of the young guys out who are playing ahead of you, like let's say some of the young props who are, who are coming up, and you know you can see that some of the stuff you've done with them is is actually, you know, paid off, and they're working hard, and then it does it doesn't hurt as much, like especially not not as much as it used to, I suppose, but like I definitely still want to play. I still feel my body feels good, and I still have a lot to give. Um but yeah, no, we're a team, like I suppose like that's what you sort of learn as well. Like Ruby Ruby's a team sport and you know, a lot of guys coming from um, abroad who who come here. Like I remember when I arrived there was a lot of nice guys who, who helped me out. So you sort of try and reciprocate that and like, you know, help the next guy who's coming in, like and then if you instill that in the next guy then hopefully they will do that the, the following time, you know, when you're gone. So I suppose I'll like, try and leave the club in a better place, try and you know, put your mark on it as best you can. Like, and I hope I've I've done that in my time here in Bezier And um, maybe not so much like results or success, obviously, because we haven't won anything. But just I suppose leave the guys who are in a better place. Like, I love a couple of guys signing for top forty, and who we we'd now like Wesley Wesley Douglas and, and you know guys like that who who could play at the next level easily. Um, and you know, it's sort of satisfying when you see that. Like, even though they do it themselves, like. You've helped to take that. You've helped them a little bit on their journey to the to, to that next level.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a nice feeling seeing seeing those close to you do well. Yeah, I just wanted to get your your views on on the differences maybe between the leagues that you've played in um, Pro D two. People know it as the second tier of France. How do you compare the level you're playing at to to the Premiership to Pro Fourteen as well? Um, can you go through those and Super Rugby even? Maybe you can just give us like a little um, debrief of each of those leagues and, and tell us what what are like the key aspects of the rugby in each of those?
1: Yeah, of course. Like I, I think that people have you know preconceived ideas of Pro too. They think, oh, it's like you know the second league, and all that. I, I think it's probably one of the harder leagues that I've played in. There's no TMO. The referees sometimes you know they they miss a lot of things because of that. A lot of referees aren't professional either, so I think when you play at the highest level, you have a lot of that, you know, legality that comes into it that the referees are on the ball with every off the ball incident, people jabbing and jiving. But you know, tough going through the leagues that I played in. Like I suppose the highest level I played is Horning Cup, which is which is probably just a, low, a level below international rugby, to be honest. You know, you have the best of the best playing week in week out in that competition, and then obviously pro 14 or pro 12 when I was playing and you know there's some very very tough teams in that league as well if you come up against a very 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 good operators like a lot of the international especially when they play um it's very fast maybe not so much more forward orientated like the premiership and um, I found when I went to the premiership you know a lot more just grunt up front they, they want you heavy you know you know rocking, not ne- not necessarily you know passing the ball it's just you know carry 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 like you know and then when I went to Australia they focused loads on skills you know the forward sort of game wasn't wasn't big scrum line I would just get the ball and, and let the backs play and, and then let the forwards play as well like um, which was great I really liked that I really enjoyed really enjoyed that um, sort of philosophy of of playing and then here in France it's sort of just like you know sort of typical French duet when it it comes off it's amazing and then you get celebrated by the coach and everybody's on your back and then if, if it doesn't then they're they're on your case um I think the structure part here like they they try and put in a structure but normally it never gets sort of followed um as as you know but uh not not sort of much difference in terms of physicality like there's there's big guys everywhere. Everywhere you've got, you've gone like this is a professional league. Everywhere I've gone, I suppose like there's always big, big dudes playing and trying to run at you. I suppose from the top level to Pro two, you lack a little bit of the skill set, you know, especially yeah. in the back line. I think some of the some of the skill set, the very, very top, the speed as well. But in saying that, you know, I said about the refereeing. I think it can nearly be harder sometimes to play. In, in that sort of environment just from my experience like you try and stay on the ref side as much as possible but here they don't see anything or they don't they don't want to see anything so like there's so many different fights and nickels yeah. and rooks and different things
0: Yeah Mate you've obviously got one cap for your country I wanted to ask you what your best rugby experience of your career has been would that be out there?
1: Um, yeah that's one of that's one of the most amazing moments I've had through my rugby career. Definitely, I was in, I was in Houston in Texas and um, playing against the States on the summer tour. And we we sing our anthem, which is Ireland's call, but it's just a song, so it's not our national anthem. Well, it's not my national anthem. Yeah. And um, and we sang that, and and then the USA had their um, national anthem, obviously, and the stadium was. Packed thirty thousand, like fans, mostly American. were singing the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. And that was an incredible experience to hear somebody else's national anthem. Planes flew overhead. I only yeah. played like ter- I only played thirty five minutes. I probably couldn't tell you if I touched the ball once, but it was just an amazing <laughs> night. And my, fam- my my family were there. Okay. My man flew in for- my man flew in, and I had friends there as well, which was yeah, it was an incredible experience. I had a great six months actually leading up to that because we won the league. Um, the Pro 12 and then we won the European Challenge Cup so in the space of three months I basically won two competitions and then played for Ireland <laughs> so amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah it was amazing and, and then it sort of all went downhill from there and, <laughs> nah nah <laughs> no. but it, yeah that, that, that particular time I was 25 26 that particular time was you know incredible I'm very very lucky to have been part of you know the group that, that's, that did that because only when you're older now you realise how you don't realise at the time, but like realise how lucky you are to actually have won something. Talking to a lot of guys who've never, you know, have gone through their whole professional career never actually won anything. So very, very blessed, I suppose, at that particular time. Only reflecting
0: on it now that I realise how lucky I was. For sure, for sure. And could you, if you had to, pick out a, a worse career moment?
1: Jeez, I've had too many of those. Um, Sam, a lot of, lot of ups way more downs uh, in this this job. Uh, I suppose when my my wife got sick when we were in Australia um, and I spoke about this on her podcast, it was an extremely difficult time and I let that affect me in ways that I could never even imagine it affecting me just because I didn't speak about it to anybody. So that particular time in my life was, personally and rugby-wise, was terrible because I shut myself off from everything. Uh, rugby included and I was doing stuff that I would never have done in a million years you know I was drinking way more you know especially at night time you know even unbeknownst to my wife who was you know sick and wasn't sleeping well and just closed off and you know I remember um, drinking before games even and stuff like that like I just it was just a very sort of not that I was an alcoholic or anything like that but just doing stuff that you wouldn't normally do like just yeah just wasn't a great time I spoke about this before, like just about you know speaking about your your problems. Sometimes you know it's very hard for young men, I think, to open themselves up and yeah. to speak about how they're feeling. And that was, you know, it was textbook what I what I sort of went through. Like completely closed off. And hindsight yeah. is, you know, hind, hindsight is twenty twenty, Sam. I would have sure. loved to have you know gone back and. You know, spoke about it, spoke about it with my teammates, you know, the coaches um, and that sort of regret I do have, that I didn't do that. But, you know, I've learned from that, I learned from that sort of time, you know, me and my wife are in a much better place now. Thank God, which would. And yeah, so both of, are, both of us are doing well. And You know, at the time it was, you know, very, very tough for both of us.
0: Um, I guess made even harder by the fact that you're so far away from home there. Um, your your, your support network's not the same as it would be if you were closer to home, it's it's not so easy. I mean, you're talking about a completely different time zone as well. If you wanted to talk to people, it's it's hard to do so, to find the right times and stuff. I can imagine that must have been a a horrible situation to be in. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. And you sort of make excuses then as well. Well, I I was making excuses, like, you know, and uh, that's not who I was as a person. You know, I'd never make excuses, but, like, you, you sort of even feel sorry for yourself. And then you're like angry, and yeah, it, it was just a, you know it was just one that one of those things that sort of got on top of me at the time. But yeah, like it, it was very difficult. Like I said to you previously in the podcast, like i like even that far away from home, it, it, you know, it was very very tough, very very tough.
0: Sure, and I guess that's that's just something to to sort of just pause on with regards to playing rugby abroad is that it is all just, it is a fun adventure to speak. And we, we talk a lot about the stories and, and how many great memories and, and great experiences and amazing friends you make, but also you are, you are far away from your loved ones as well. And that is, that is something that does go around your head more often than someone might think. And and I guess like, like you said, just, just speaking about it with the people around you, can be so key as you probably would recommend to anyone who finds himself in a situation like that
1: a hundred percent but like as i said the hindsight is 2020 20. you know hopefully the more i speak about this like i've done a podcast before where i spoke about this the more i speak about this hopefully if there's players or anybody sort of gone through similar things to, to you know just to be able to speak about it because it you know it affects you in ways that you can't you can't realize like it affects your, your sleep patterns, so it affects your mood. It affects how you're interacting with other people, and um, and sometimes it's very hard to see that when you're not concentrating on it. You know what I mean? It's just you just think it's normal, and you're completely in your head. Sure. Um, but it's very like you know, it's very hard. Like I I only reflecting now as a thirty three year old or as twenty eight at the time that I can understand. Where I went wrong with 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 it, but yeah, like you know, living away from home, like there's so many young players who move away and they want to, you know, pursue their rugby dream, and they're not necessarily at the high level. I mean, like players move home, they go play in New Zealand or Australia, or the opposite, they come to Ireland, England. They, they want to work and play rugby, and it's not always rosy, you know. Sure, it's it can be difficult, and like I think young men, I know I was, sometimes can be. you know too proud to talk about too proud to you know ask for help or to say what's wrong you know you feel like no 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 I'm fine I'm fine like I'm a big strong man like I can handle this where reality is sometimes sometimes you can't and sometimes you you need to talk and and get support off people because that's what friends and family are there for to help you
0: definitely mate well let's move on from from the subject and Look, look to the future and what it holds for you rugby-wise. Um, where do you see yourself in a couple of years, next few years? Are you planning on staying in France? What's the next move?
1: Well, I have one more year in my contract here in Bezier. I will be, hopefully, 34 years old when I when I'm finished that contract. My head feels good. I think that if I got an opportunity to play, I would maybe try and plan for one more maximum two more years and then maybe i'd love to try and get coaching or stay around the game in some capacity i think the great thing about playing in france is that you have sort of a a buffer when you're finished you're able to take a thing called chômage, which is you get basically unemployment up to 65 percent of your wages for those listening you didn't know about the french system which is great to be able just to give you time to I suppose see what you want to do at at the next sta- stage of your life. And um, I think the tradition between rugby and the real world, because we live in a bubble a little bit, and um, to the nine to five job can be very difficult for players. And if you're not prepared for that, it you know it can be it can be, it can be very very hard. I've had a number a number of players who retired friends of mine who've said amazing it is to be retired. Um, but most of those guys have you know steady jobs whereas some guys who, who don't go into employment straight away they can it can be very difficult for them.
0: Sure. Sure. So a couple of questions from a few Instagram listeners just to finish us off on a on a light note. No on a lighter note. Um, you got any favorite phrases in French? Do you speak fluent French? Uh,
1: not fluent, but I, I can get by. So one of my favorite phrases which is, uh, which is something that I learned very early on here, which means basically I don't give a flying um, I can't say the F word on your podcast.
0: You could, but then I'd have to say, i have to like tip the box that says not for kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, not for kids. Um, yeah, so that's, that's one of my favorite expressions here. It's very, it's very French. Um, there's a couple of other ones obviously that I've learned. Most of them are <laughs> most of them are bad nice mate which is a common expression here for I am full when you're finished eating yeah. which is okay. a nice one
0: cool right I've got a couple of others the best player who you've played with and against oh wow um, and you don't have to say I, me
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're top three or top four Samuel. <laughs> Um, I think there's two players that I play with that just have a different level above the rest of anybody who ever played. Like Issa Nasiwa, who played for Fiji one time and then came to Ireland. He could have been all-black for sure, but he played for Fiji back, I think, in the Yeah, uh, He played everywhere in the back line, 10, 12. Ooh. What was his name? 30, and four. Issa Nasiwa. He's a Leinster Leinster legend. He he retired when coaching for two years in the Blues in Auckland and came back and won the Heining Cup for Leinster. Uh, One of these guys, just outrageous talent that could do anything with a rugby ball. Um, And then obviously the great Brian O'Driscoll, who was a Leinster also, just uh, an absolute genius. Uh, I I don't think I've ever seen a better operator in defence or attack yeah, when it comes to rugby, just an immense, immense rugby knowledge and to, to the instinct to do the right thing at the right time, just it was incredible. And then I suppose against, well, it would be those two players as well because I played against them as well. So when I played for when I played for Connor, trying to think of any internationals or internationals that I played for, I played against a couple of All Blacks when I was played super rugby. Aaron Smith was incredible. His passing and fitness levels. He was incredible. I never said like that for a number nine. And then props, I suppose, uh, Paul James used to play for the Ospreys. and fact, he was one of my fiercest adversaries, even though he probably killed me every time I came up against him. He was an unbelievable scrimmager. Really nice guy, though, as well. Um, Duncan Jones on a Welsh prop was uh, amazing. And um, Yeah.
0: Nice. Okay, let's move on to the next. And you, question. Sam. And
1: you, sorry. And and you, Tim. And
0: you, Tim. mate. You didn't have to say it. You didn't have to say <laughs> it. <laughs> um, the most outrageous feat of strength or athleticism that you've witnessed at training, and apart from your own, obviously. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> I've got so many stories. I think, um, yeah, I think it has to call for Leo Halvattel, who I play with on the Irish. Who basically could bench press more than people could squat. He really? just like like our SNC coach was a guy called Robbie Palmer, who was a British um, powerlifting champion. He said yeah. he never seen anything like him. He just he took like two thirty off the bar, like it's a bench press, mind you, like it was nothing, and just like boom, five times, and that was <laughs> probably the most imp- that was probably the most impressive thing that I've ever, ever seen. Because like, uh, like I don't think many people could even squat that, never mind bench press. And <laughs> I remember I remember after Robbie was gone, Leo, you just bench pressed 230. And he was just like, oh, yeah? Sweet, bro. <laughs> nice,
0: nice, mate. And I've got one final question from, from listeners. Um, you've, already, you've already touched upon it, and that was um, what it was like to win your, your first international cap. For you, maybe it's a, a different thing because reflecting back, it is, it is the one and only cup, like you say. Does that make it extra special, do you reckon? Or is there, do you, is there some kind of like regret that you couldn't have more maybe or, or is it an extra special moment just because of the way it happened? Um, the memory that I have
1: of it is, is amazing because my, my mom was there, I had friends there um, and I had like an amazing experience and an amazing time and um, I suppose looking back now I wish I obviously played for Ireland again and not realising that was the first and only time I was going to play for Ireland I suppose is a little bit hard looking back but like the fact that I actually you know played and like got there and had a cap for my country is also amazing so no I'm very very proud of it um, one cap wonder um, but yeah definitely Like I, I would love to play it a hundred times but it just wasn't the be. the stars didn't line up and, and that's Partly, partly to do with me and, and my my form after.
0: Part of the journey. It's part of the journey, let's say.
1: Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't know. Like You could play for Ireland once. So you could play a hundred times. You just don't know sometimes. I think that you take Everett with a pinch of salt sometimes, especially in this game. I've had friends who played for you know, 12, 13 years. I've had friends who played for five years. I've yeah. had friends who had to retire from injury after one year who could have played for 10 years. Um, I think the game of rugby is very, very fickle and, you know, delicate sometimes. The people who play it um, we're all along for the journey. The coaches, players, were all along for this journey that, you know, you never know what's going to happen. There's bends and turns in the river and, you know, you might fall out of the boat and you try and get back in but you might not, you know, you know uh, to use an analogy, you might not get back in like, you know, and then you're less swimming to shore. Nice, love it, love it. Jamie Hagan. Hagen,
0: Thank you for this episode seven, mate. Really appreciate your honesty with, with your story, your journey, your experiences. It's been superb and I'm sure that will reflect. Um, mate, appreciate your time and definitely get you back on at some point in the future. That'll definitely, be awesome. Mate. Definitely, mate. Great, great to speak to you again, Sammy. to you soon. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Bye, mate. You can subscribe to the podcast at rugbyabroad.com. Thanks for listening in and I hope you join me for the journey.